So when Matt Neal was up here a few weeks ago, he talked about being called up from the minor leagues. I don't know, maybe I'm from the little league, but uh, we'll see, <laughs> see how that goes. But uh, it is a, a real honor today to be able to preach God's Word and to share with you some things I've been learning this past week. Um, Pastor Dan was hopefully going to be in, was it Ghana? And things didn't work out again for him. Uh, keep praying for Pastor Dan. He's so much. But he does get to uh, teach uh, Ghana, but it'll be via Zoom. But uh, we've been called up from the minor leagues to, uh, to help cover the preaching. And it seems like a good opportunity for us to exercise some of our gifts. So thank you, Pastor Dan, for allowing me to preach today. Um, let's start by reading God's Word, His holy, inspired, and infallible word. We'll start reading, and if you have your Bibles, in the book of Acts in chapter 6, we'll be reading specifically about deacons, but um, I'm also going to apply this to elders as well. Um, so let's first start with the reading of God's Word. And there are Bibles in front of you, or if you've got it yourself on your mobile device, that's fine. Take a deep breath. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, I thank you for your word, your holy and inspired word that despite our failings um, can find good soil. I pray, Lord, that you will help me, your servant, to speak your word today. Lord, that your spirit would endow those words with supernatural power as they... Uh, Go out, and they, I know they will not return to you void, Lord, because they are powerful and they are strong. I pray, Lord, that you will bless the hearer, the hearer of these words, that they would have soft and gentle hearts, that, Lord, they would receive them as what they are, the word of God. For it's in Christ's name we pray, amen. So, several years ago... Um, I had an opportunity. I actually saw a class that I really, really wanted to go to. It was a boot camp of sorts, 14 hours a day. Now, why in the world would I subject myself to that? I don't know. But I don't like to do anything sort of halfway. So um, this boot camp was over a, a week, and it was in California. So I had to sort of put together a business case for it. Like, why in the world should I send you? I must have done okay because my boss said, all right, you can go. Uh, it was still probably three months away. I went ahead and registered for the course. 
But I didn't make my travel arrangements. I figured I'd talk to my wife and see when I should leave and when I should come home. You know, can I stay out longer and maybe visit with some folks? So a few weeks pass by, and I go ahead and make my travel reservations. I get my plane flight and my hotel. I really didn't think anything of it. It was still a couple months away. Time for the class comes. I leave on a Sunday, so I'm there first thing Monday morning. And I go to the class, and I go up to the registration desk and say, hey, I'm here, where's my class? Because this particular facility, they did a lot of training. They had multiple classes going on at the same time. The lady looked and said, well, I don't see your name on here. So I getting a little upset, as you can imagine. So she says, okay, can you tell me again which class you're here for? And so I told her, and she gets this kind of worried look on her face and says, I'm going to go get my manager. I'll be right back. Uh, so now I'm really kind of ticked off. So the manager comes out. I explain the whole thing over again. The person looks at me and says, uh, yeah, we do have your registration, but that class is next week. <laughs> I had flown out to California for a class, and I had gone the wrong week. Uh, have you ever asked yourself, what am I doing here? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Man, was I embarrassed. So that day, I definitely did. It's kind of like um, if you've ever had those nightmares, and I certainly have, where uh, you wake up, you forget to set your alarm, and you wake up too late for that real important final exam, only this was real life. This was not some nightmare, although it turned out to be a nightmare. But fortunately, they made things right, and I ended up taking a class, just not the class that I wanted. But So what does that have to do with our scripture this morning? Um, well, I, as I was thinking of that story, I thought of two things. First, I assume there's a lot of you here who, as you're watching this ordination go on in front of you, are saying, what just happened? You know, what am I doing here? What, what does this mean? So I'm going to talk a little bit about what is ordination and what does it mean in the life of the church. Second, for these men who were ordained today, for uh, Mike and James and Austin, I know I spent several... Uh, weeks with them as they were getting prepared and they kept asking themselves, as they should, why am I here? Uh, is this what God wants me to do? And I think I'm going to speak to them specifically about that, but I'm going to speak to the whole church. Why are we here? And uh, I think that's the second point. So let's start with the first question, which is what is ordination? And if I can get to the right page... So I looked up the word ordain or ordained or ordination in my Strong's Concordance, and uh, I was surprised to find there are over 30 Greek and Hebrew root words for the word ordain. So I start going through all of them, from the Old Testament all the way up to the New Testament. It goes a long way back in the Old Testament. Some of the words, I think, were relevant slightly, but maybe not exactly what we saw here today. But some of them spoke precisely to what we did today. Of course, in Acts chapter 6, we see uh, the appointing or setting apart of these men to the office of deacon. That is absolutely what we saw today. But it's also used similarly in Titus 1.5, where Paul instructs Titus to appoint or ordain elders in every town as I have directed you. It's clear in Acts 3... And Pastor Dan talked about this, the high calling to which these men are called, or the high qualifications, I'm sorry, the qualifications for being a deacon or elder 
are not only um, a life that exemplifies a Christian walk, but full of the Spirit um, and full of wisdom. Uh, it's a high calling, and I think it's important to remember that that is such. But it's not just the qualifications, and I'll get to that here in a moment. But the apostle said, pick out men of good repute, full of the Spirit and full of wisdom. Our PCA form of government, and Pastor Dan talked to it, but specifically, it defines ordination as, ordination is the authoritative admission of one duly called to an office in the church of God, accompanied with prayer and the laying on of hands, to which it is proper to add the giving of the right hand of fellowship, which you also saw this morning. So it says ordination is an act by which men are set apart. And I was, I was listening, Pastor Dan, as you're talking, set apart. We're setting these men apart. We're setting them apart. And that's exactly what this is. It's setting apart with the authority for leadership and where that, that authority is conveyed and expressed as they're appointed to their office of elder or deacon. I like that the BCO references one duly called to an office. For these men with all of the elders that have been called in this congregation and across the PCA and across much of his church, the calling of God is first and foremost. And, but it's accompanied by the church's attestation. We saw in, or as we read in the book of Acts, chapter 6, basically the apostle said, you pick men who you see that display these characteristics. It wasn't the apostles that said, well, let, we're going to go pick out a few guys and we're going to point them to this. But instead, it was the members of the church, the early church of Christ. And that's what we witnessed here this morning. So, a little bit of a side, why laying on of hands? We saw it in Acts 6. I uh, mentioned it in the BCO and we saw it this morning right up here. So, why laying on of hands? Now, the obvious answer is it's scriptural principle. The Bible tells us to do so. Not only the deacons in Acts chapter 6, verse 6, but in Acts 13, when Paul and Barnabas were set aside and were sent out on their mission, they were elected and set apart for their mission. And then in Titus 1.5, for the elders, uh, that scripture I just read a little bit ago, people set them apart. Titus was called to set them apart to lay his hands on them and pray for them. Laying on of hands is a way to set them apart. It's also a way of having public recognition of the position that we're placing these men in. A way of consecration and of installment. We talked about installed, but it's also a way of blessing them for their uh, position to come. So that's why today when these men were ordained to office, they came forward, the elders laid their hands on them, we prayed God's blessing on them, and we set them apart as a leader in this church to the office which God had called them, and that the congregation of the Granville Chapel has affirmed by your election to their respective office. So one key point about that is, I don't want you to think laying on of hands is some sort of magical you know, gifting of the Spirit or empowering them. As we saw in Acts chapter 6, the apostles told them, choose men who you see are full of the Spirit and of wisdom. It wasn't the laying on of hands that gave them the Spirit or that 
basically allowed them to be uh, powered and empowered for their office. It was um, a recognition uh, and a setting apart. God is the one who sets apart. Uh, and I, in fact, I listened very closely. Pastor Dan even said this morning, these men who you have called to this office, and it is very important that we remember that, that the very first thing about ordination is it's a recognition of what God has already done. The offices that we installed these men to today, it wasn't us doing it, it was God doing it, and it was for the good of his church. It wasn't because we thought, hey, these men are great businessmen, hey, they're great at playing the guitar, um, they have wonderful kids, which is true of all of them. Those are qualifications, they're important. They're important because they show the steadfastness in a life lived in accordance with biblical principles. But it's not that that causes them to be called. What causes them to be called is the Spirit of God. God calls them to this office. In Acts 6.3, which I've already said, they chose men who were already recognized as full of the Spirit and wisdom. In Numbers 27, God tells Moses, Take Joshua the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. So again, it wasn't, he wasn't telling Moses, hey, go to Joshua, lay your hands on him, and I'll give him my spirit to do this work. It was, Joshua has the spirit. He's full of wisdom. Go lay your hands on him, and I will set him apart for this new chapter in his life and in the life of the people of Israel. So that's an Old Testament reference. Also in Acts 13, we see, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. The apostles laying their hands on them didn't give them some sort of special power. Ordination is done as a sign of the inward call of God. So that's why we stress so much, and we have over the past several months, both the inward and the outward call. So the inward call being a feeling from these men that God wants me to be here. So why am I here? God's calling me to this office. If there's any other reason, please say no. And we told them that many times. And I think they took it quite seriously. A number of these men were just struggling, like, I'm not ready. And I'll talk about that in a moment. Um, but how appropriate it is that this ordination comes at the end of the sermon series on who am I? Because as we looked at who am I, I'm a reflection of God. I'm adopted into his family. That's true of every single one of us. Every single one of us as a Christian, I guess I shouldn't make that assumption. But for these men, they are set apart for a special task. Not because they're better than everybody else, but because God calls them to this office. I know that uh, these men, as I mentioned, all of them struggled a little bit with this call in the, in the fact of, how can I do this? This is too big. Uh, I'm not ready. I'm too young. I'm too, insert your favorite reason here. And I honestly think that's, a, that's probably a good thing. If you remember when Pastor Dan was covering Exodus chapter 3, Moses, before the very burning bush of God, God is right there. He's in the presence of God. God says, I'm sending you to Pharaoh. And Moses says, 
not me. Uh, you got the wrong guy. I can't speak well. I know who Pharaoh is. He is powerful. Um, you got the wrong guy. I can't do this. I'm slow of speech. I'm old. Um, he had a lot of excuses. And I, I think he's not alone. If you look at people like Paul or even David, um, Gideon certainly, uh, there are a lot of examples of men who were reluctant to take on the leadership position to which God had called them. And I think that's a good thing, honestly, because men, yeah, men who are called to lead in this kind of position should understand the importance and should come to it with humility um, and should come to it understanding responsibility that's there. Uh, I like how Christ defines a leader in Mark 10 after James and John were arguing with him about it or were asking him to let them sit at his right hand when he comes into glory. And of course, the disciples are arguing amongst each other because they're a little ticked at James and John, as I probably would be too. Um, Jesus said to them, you know that those who consider themselves rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man comes not to serve, but not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. So humility, I think, needs to be, should be, a mark of a great leader, certainly a leader in Christ's church, because we've got an example to follow. Uh, I think it was Charlie, when he was praying, was, was saying we're under shepherds, the, those of us that are shepherds. The deacons are servants. We're all called to serve. In fact, the word, as I was studying in Acts, the chapter that, or the verses that we read, there's the office of elder. It talks about so that we can minister the word and we can minister in prayer and that these men would serve tables. The word there used for minister and for serving tables is based on the same root word, diak diakonos. I'm not Greek, but, uh, but it's serve. So we will serve the word. We will serve prayer and the deacons will serve the physical needs. I think that is so fantastic. In both cases, we're serving the church. And I think that is key when you look at a leader because we are serving Christ's church. We're not serving ourselves. And um, the, the other side of that, though, is also key. All of these men, although they were terrified, I think, to take these positions, were also willing the willingness to serve and the willingness to say, I can do this if God is with me, if God's calling me to do this. And I think that's what happened with Moses. Moses is like, okay, God, you know what you're doing. I have no idea how I'm going to do this, but you know what you're doing. Um, that's what happened with Gideon. If you remember the story of Gideon, he didn't want to serve. He was asked to go fight the Midianites. He's like, I can't do this. So let's pick up in Judges chapter 6. God says in verse 14, 
Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? And then Gideon says back to him, But please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. Remember Manasseh, half tribe. I'm not even a full tribe, you know. And I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord God said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites. And Gideon, if you remember the story, starts out with a huge army. God whittles him down, and Gideon, of course, is successful because he listened to God. He was willing to take on that mantle of leadership because he knew God would be with him. So both of those points, I think, are clear. Um, Humility, yes. Willingness to serve, yes. That brings us to point number two, which is there are two common errors when it comes to ordination that I could think of. Error number one, the act of ordination is completely symbolic. It really, it's just a show. And I can kind of understand that. Some believe that there should be or that there is no difference between those who are ordained to office and the function that they perform. So all of us are called to serve. All of us are called to teach. All of us are called to be Christ's witnesses. That's true. Function of serving and teaching is a function for all of us. But there, that doesn't mean there is no difference. I think we saw in Acts chapter 6, certainly, and in Titus 1.5, and in all these other examples I've been giving in point number one, that there definitely is a difference. So I think we've kind of debunked that one. We've also got to be a little careful about this error, and I was wondering where to give this. I mentioned it to Pastor Dan a week ago, and I saw a big smile on his face, so I think I, I got the right one. We'll see. But, but a few weeks ago in our CBR reading in Numbers, we read about Korah or Korah's rebellion. And Korah and a bunch of other men, I, was, I almost called them leaders, they kind of were, but a bunch of men from, the, from Israel were grumbling. They were complaining. They were upset. God had put Moses and Aaron in a position of leadership, and they thought, what about us? That's not right. Let's pick it up in verse 2 in Numbers 16. And they rose up before Moses with a number of the people of Israel, 250 chiefs in the congregation, chosen from the assembly, well-known men. They assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said to them, you've gone too far, for all in the congregation are holy. That's right. Every one of them, and the Lord is among them. That's correct, too. Why, then, do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? There was a big mistake. They did not exalt themselves above the assembly of God. Instead, God, as I'd mentioned, God called them to these positions. God placed them there. Now, if they had put themselves in positions of leadership, Korah would have been absolutely right. So would have all these other men. God was not too happy, though, about them challenging his authority. So let's pick it up then and scroll all the way down to verse 32. What happened? And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households and all the people who belonged to Korah and all their goods. So they and all that belonged to them went down alive into Sheol, and the earth closed over them, and they perished from the midst of the assembly. 
uh, that's, a, that's a big deal. Now, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen to any of us. If you come and challenge me as an elder, of course, there's always, there can be good reason to challenge an elder or a deacon, uh, especially if we stray from the biblical call that God's given to us. But that doesn't mean you can challenge the authority of folks. So, for example, if you're rightly being disciplined or rightly being exhorted or admonished, that's there for your good. So that's one reason, though, that the officers here are elected by the members. I mentioned it earlier, the elders don't appoint other elders. I don't say, you know, I think Mike would be a good one, and therefore he just becomes an elder. He's ordained. No, they're nominated, they're trained. Actually, you went through all the steps. I'm, I was so, so proud of my pastor. <laughs> but they're nominated, they're trained. This has been like a year-long process. Nominated, trained, examined, and then elected by you, then they were ordained and installed. It's very important. But that's why, because if you remember, and in fact we did that vow this morning, you vow submission to the men that you've just placed in a leadership. So that's error number one. Error number two is to accentuate the office to such an extent that we believe only those in the office have the function. Uh, for me, it's easy to do to a certain extent. I'll just say when, well, when I, feel like, when, when I feel like God's calling me to preach, but I feel like Matt Neal's so much better at this than I am, he should do it. Or Pastor Dan's so much better than I am. All of us have different gifts and all of us have different callings. If God calls us to do it, really doesn't matter what we think of our ability, because as Gideon saw, I will be with you, right? So we need to avoid both of those errors. All of us has received unique gifts from God to serve one another, and that's where, in part number one, that was true, you know, Korah, that was true, God is with us all, God is amongst us, but that doesn't mean there aren't differences. But that brings me to point number three, and I'm getting... Close to the end, how am I doing? Oh, yeah. My watch is really giving out on battery, so if I go long, it's not my fault. <laughs> it's running slow. But point number three is God has unique to, uniquely gifted each of us to serve one another. Like I said, I sometimes have a hard time using all my gifts. Um, and I'm so glad it's not a huge issue here at the Granville Chapel. That's not saying it's not an issue at all, but it certainly isn't a huge issue. Uh, again, I'm going to pick on Matt Neal, but when, I think it was during the town hall, he was bringing up the different ministries here at the Granville Chapel. And I think he had a list of like 30 or 40, but some of those, like Bible studies, there's like 10 of those. So if you really look across, there's like 50 different ministries going on here at any given time. That is phenomenal. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, because it's important. Because just like a muscle, and I wish I had Matt's arms at this point, but just like a muscle, you know, the more you flex it, the more you use it, the better it becomes, the stronger it becomes. Remember the story of the talents. And the one who had the one talent basically buried it in the ground, didn't use it. And so even that one talent he had was taken away. So it's important that we use our gifts. And I have no idea where I'm at now. Um, 
So in 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11, when all else fails, go to the scripture. So 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11, it says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Using our gifts, as it just said in 1 Peter, not only serves others, as it says in Acts 6, they had needs, and so they appointed deacons. There's a need to serve one another. But it also brings glory to God and to his son, Jesus Christ. That is the ultimate reason why we serve. But it also helps us grow as well. Again, the example of flexing the muscle, that's where that came in. Ah, I missed it. God's church, Christ's body, functions best when all of us use our gifts to the best of our abilities. In fact, our church membership vows, I'm going to go back to vows again. If you've taken those vows, you said, I promise to support the church in its worship and work to the best of my ability. Of course, there are times when best of my ability are less than at other times. Best of my ability might be, I just need to take care of my family right now. Best of my ability might be, I'm hurting. I'm injured. I need somebody to care for me. That's okay. That's okay. Best of our ability means just that. Best of our ability. It's the ability that God supplies. There are times when we're wounded and we need those times of rest. As Dan said in his sermon a couple of weeks ago, and I want to stress it again today, the church is not a collection of gifts. It's a collection of people who God has gifted. And that's important. You're not here because of your gift. You use your gift because God wants you to and because it helps you to grow. But God knows what's best for us. There are times when we need rest. Take that rest. Please do. And if you need help, come and see an elder or a deacon and get that help. But I do want to challenge you. This is the last item on point three. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So, applications. What do we do now that we know a little bit about ordination, we know about the two errors. We know that God wants us to use our gifts. Clearly, the New Testament teaches us, and there's evidence that there are two special offices, that of elder and deacon, that are set apart. They're different. Um, and it, we saw it in Acts 6. We saw it in Timothy 4, Titus 1, when he talks about the... Uh, to appoint elders, but then in Philippians 1, Paul also tells or says he's writing to the church with the overseers and deacons. So there are definitely these special offices to which God has called men and, and we appoint them appropriately. Let us recognize the gifts of these leaders, and they are. They're gifts of God to his church that each of us can grow and can, be, can function as the body of Christ. Equally important 
is that we don't believe that the leaders are the only ones charged to function as servants and teachers. I think I've shown you that's not true either. It's important for us. All of us are ministers of God to the world. All believers are charged with being his witnesses, his servants, and to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. By ordaining, we're not saying now we've got somebody else to do it. Instead, by ordination, we're saying these are men that we can follow. These are men that are going to show us the way and to whom we will submit to their guidance. Let them remove barriers. Let them help show us the way. Give us direction and advice. The leaders in this church are not ordained to replace the church members in any way, but to function to show us the way that each person can exercise their own personal gifts to their fullest. In conclusion, why am I here? So to the three men who were ordained today, James and Austin and Mike, I say to you, you're here at this moment because God has called you to be servants and under-shepherds to lead his church here at the Granville Chapel right now. I know he who called you is able to grant you everything you need for this office. Perfection is not your goal. You couldn't do it if you tried. But instead, faith, faithfulness, trust in his spirit who called you, he will do it. To the congregation at large, if you're a Christian, I say to you, you're here today because you're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Follow these men whom God has chosen. Follow them as they follow Christ. Learn from their example, surely, but ask God to help you use your gifts to serve one another as good stewards of God's grace. Because it is Christ whom we serve. Amen.